Orphan Black, the next chapter, is back for season two, and it's bigger than ever. The official continuation of the hit TV show stars Emmy Award-winning actress Tatiana Maslany as all of the clones. And this season, she's joined by original TV show cast members Jordan Gavaris as Felix, Evelyn Brochu as Delphine, and Christian Brune as Donnie. Season two picks up where season one left off with, spoiler alert, the secret of the clones finally exposed to the general public. Hundreds of previously unaware clones grapple with the news that they are part of a massive military science experiment. Meanwhile, anti-clone protesters fight to have the clones' rights restricted. Caught in the middle, the Sestras want peace, and when an unforeseen threat turns their world upside down, they must join forces with former enemies to protect the ones they love. Orphan Black, the next chapter, is available right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to listen and subscribe, or visit realm.fm for more information. Uh, our moderator is Dominic Patton. He's a senior writer at Deadline Hollywood, and uh, he will introduce our panel. Well, that was quite the ending, so I think without further ado, we have to bring up Pollyanna McIntosh, Angel herself. That's an incredible way to make an entrance. <laughs> Please also join me in welcoming the executive producer of Happen Leonard, Mr. Jeremy Platt. And last but not least, Mr. Hap Collins himself, James Purifor. Hey. This is actually the second time this week him and I have done this. We actually did a, we did a video uh, for Deadline.com, what, three days ago? Yeah. You were fantastic. Um, well, guys, you know, the show debuts on March 2nd. I guess you guys, this is the first time people really get a, a really good look at it. Um, Jeremy, what attracted you to the show, and why did you decide that, that uh, Joe Lansdale's novels were where you wanted to do TV? Um, Jim Mickle, who's the showrunner and also co-creator and the director of the pilot, did a film called Cold in July, um, which premiered here two years ago. Um, yeah, Cold in July. Um, you know, played here, played Cannes, and... Um, you know, the Joe Lan that's another Joe Lansdale novel, uh, Cold in July. It's not a Happen Leonard novel. Uh, there's nine, I believe, now uh, Joe, uh, Joe Lansdale Happen Leonard novels. And um, an idea kind of got brewed here, actually, at Sundance uh, via, I don't know where Christian Vesper is. He is somewhere out there. Um, there. There he is. Um, Christian Vesper, who works at Sundance. Um, it was a conversation that started here. Um, you know, they wanted, they loved Jim Mickle and loved his business. Um, and it was something that sort of came from that, and Happen Leonard is a great, there's a lot to uh, cultivate through uh, those novels. Yeah. And, so. and, and what I love is, is, you know, the way you guys set it up, I mean, look, I'm, I'm always a sucker for a great car chase opening, and I love the fact that using around the bend and stuff like that, but there's a real sense of tone to this. And I, I have to ask you, Pollyanna, because that, that end with Angel, the way that, you know, as the camera comes up and the way she looks in this kind of like an 80s look that actually you probably can find now in New York again. You know, what did you feel about that, that coming into this project? It's, it's so stylized and yet so true to form. It was so much fun. I mean, the, the scripts just all in all just came off the page so vibrantly and there's so much wit and, and the politics are kind of in there in a way that's I found really interesting. I just, I just loved reading it. So um, And then to be given the chance to to read for Angel, where she's such a kick-ass character, and she, well, you'll see. I don't want to give too much away, but she's there's a lot. There's a lot more Angel. 
Now, now, Jeremy, um, the the whole idea of this is is this is a this is a six part limited series. And why did you guys decide to do that? I mean, when the fact is, as you said, you have like several novels to choose from. You guys could go on, you know. There are shows. I'm not saying Game of Thrones. A lot less books to work with, and they're even going back on the air without one. Yes. So you guys have a you have a lot you could mine. The idea for this, yes, there's a lot to mine. Uh, this season sort of deals mostly with Savage Season, which is one of the novels. Touches a little bit here and there on some other stuff, but you know, in the stuff that was created by you know Jim Mickle and Nick Dimitri. Um, you know, for us, it, that was kind of the na- the it kind of seemed natural. There are seasons that are built in there, and you could see it as a season that can continue. But at the same time, it's also a really self-contained, awesome six-episode sort of like bam, 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 and it just kind of grows. I mean, I know you guys got to see the pilot tonight, which I hope you guys liked. Um, each did you episode, like the pilot? Did you like the pilot? So, um, thank you. You uh, know, because this is the thing is, he was telling me earlier, like, you've never actually got to see it with like more than like, what, eight people? This, is, this has never been seen by anybody before, so it was very strange to watch people even watch it. Uh, we've been working on it for, you know, a while now, just sort of sitting there and you know, whether you're watching it on just, you know, your computer screen or in edit rooms and stuff like that. So to see it here, which is great. So, you know, thank you guys for coming out as well. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, what's so great about it is that the show, each episode, it just escalates more and more and more. But because it's only six episodes, you know, it is a nice little compact meal, you know. And, uh, you know, like I said, you see a lot more Angel. It's a nice little tease there at the end of uh, her. And Jimmy Simpson, who plays Soldier, who's... Absolutely fantastic, also. And so. he's obviously not here with us, but Michael, of course. And Michael, of yeah. course. Well, you I mean, see Michael, lots of Michael yeah. already. I mean, Christina is fantastic. Oh, yeah. as, as well, too. And actually, that was to my question to James is, you know, James, you're working with these two, like, tremendous actors. And, and a lot of people, of course, know and love you from well, Rome, you know, where you were almost the emperor of the world. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, for you, how did you get attracted to this project? And, and well, let's start off with that. How did you get attracted to the project? Uh, yeah, no, it was a kind of circuitous route to get uh, me on this. I had worked with Michael Kenneth Williams on another show called The Philanthropist about five, no, seven, eight years ago for NBC. And uh, I'd just wrapped the following in New York. And I was literally packing up. I was ready to go home, back to London. And he called me and he said, look, I'm, there's this show that I've been asked to do. And it's called Hap and Leonard. And I'm Leonard. And would you like to come and play Hap? And would you be interested in doing it? I said, send me the script. And I loved it. I, I love the script. I really love the script. When I, I, I grew up in a very rural community in England. And um, I just knew these guys. Um, I knew these guys because they were, <clears throat> they were blue collar. And there is a pub in my village called the Nags Head. And in that pub, they would just spend every night of the week hatching get rich quick plans because they were desperate to get out of the kind of the rut that they found themselves in um, and it kind of really spoke to me that and I think that there's um, there's a big thing in America at the moment it seems to me that there's an awful lot of people who well, I don't know politics but it seems to me an awful lot of people who have been told that there's a great American dream and if you really pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you work really hard then there will be, you know, there'll be a rainbow, at the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I think a lot of people have realized and they get into their 50s and, you know, middle age, and they go, hey, where the fuck is that pot of gold? <laughs> I have been working hard. I have been pulling myself up by, by my bootstraps, and it's not there. And I think that really kind of spoke to me. So the way that these guys, uh, they, the way they're drawn by Joe Lansdale was just a very honest depiction of two men it hadn't really happened for them. 
you know, they'd got to a certain age and it just hadn't happened. And they are given this little opportunity and they seize it like gold. And, uh, yeah, that's why I liked it. Well, I mean, one of the things, too, is, is uh, I mean, from this pilot, you know, and, 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 and I'll tell a, a little thing. I've seen more than the pilot. <laughs> um, that um, there's a tremendous chemistry between you and Michael. I mean, tremendous. And it, 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 it feels like, you know, you, then you even see that chemistry more. And for me, in the, in the pilot, the scene that always really struck me is with his uncle in the car. Mm-hmm. After the uh, the homophobia uh, comment mm-hmm. and the way that that Hap talks to him, and it's very it's a very cl- it's a very clear way, and it you know a scene like that can it can go so many different ways, and you really kind of it felt to me actually it crystallized the relationship between you and Leonard with him Michael not even having to be in that scene. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's 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 one of the great things about Joe Lansdale. He just paints this incredible relationship between these two men and. One of them's gay, one of them's straight. It's no fucking big deal. What's the big deal? The only big deal is when other people make it a big deal. End of story. That's the end of this conversation. And when he makes it a big deal, he wants to shut him the fuck up, regardless of who he is, because it's not a big deal, is it? Now, Jeremy, how did Christina get involved? Um, oh. No, I mean, it was just, that was... We really, I mean, she was the, you know, number one choice... We really wanted her, um, you know, coming off of her amazing Mad Men. You know, we knew it was like, okay, you've done the show for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got a lot of nominations, a lot of stuff. You've been, you know, drinking martinis in very nice cocktail dresses. Um, we're going to ask you to come to, you know, Louisiana, which is plain East Texas mm-hmm. in this. Um, you know, hang be, out in ex-biker communes. Yeah, hang out in some communes, wear, you know, jeans, be a little bit more down and dirty. And so we were like, this is a... Are we going to be able to pull this off? Um, so we did the normal thing and went through the normal channels. And, you know, uh, God bless her. She loved the pilot. And I would even go as far as saying she fought to be in it. You know, it wasn't it, it, between how it was fitting and coming off what she was doing and other stuff that was happening. You know, it wasn't the easiest thing to pull off. And, you know, uh, it's I give the credit to her. She really wanted to be in it. And she she's the one who made it happen. And we were, honestly, we couldn't have been happier. She was the number one choice. If you read the books, like, the way that Joe wrote it and the way that Jim and Nick adapted it, it is mm-hmm. it is Christina Hendricks. So it worked out well. Now, Pollyanna, you you mentioned you mentioned Christina as a part of this. Is um, you know th- this is set up as it's I mean I don't want to call it a buddy show, but it is called Happen Leonard. Yet there's these two incredibly strong female characters. So I wanted to get a sense of for you how does that feel as an actress, and and what do you what do you think the audience will get from that? Well, I think the the fun thing is is that we're very very different characters mm-hmm. in it, and it's. It is a guy's story, you know, this, this, this um, pair of, of, of great friends. Um, but just as the, the gay and straight aspect of it isn't important in their friendship, I don't feel like the sexual politics of, of you know, the female characters and the male characters is important either. Mm. It's just a great, fun trip. And um, Christina's character as Trudy is, like I say, very different from Angel, but she's complex. And mm. um, you'll see as the show goes along that... You, She's a very complicated character. The evolution of Angel? Yeah, of yeah. Trudy, I'm saying. Well, when but you also discover the evolution of Trudy. Angel, too. But yeah, um, and so, and, and Angel is, is somebody that I've just never seen written before. Hmm. Um, she is extremely tough and um, stops at nothing. And uh, <laughs> I just had so much fun. And you can see from the first outfit that you see her in, that whole thing was yeah. a great joy. I mean, we also. It was just. I, I would like wild. to say we also we let her. What did we get? What was your? What did you get to keep at the end? Oh, I got to keep that white breastplate and that Grace Jones <laughs> yeah. piece. 
So I wear it like, you know, brushing my teeth in the morning just to get ready for the day. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it was just a great opportunity, a, a really great role. And I was very lucky to have Christina there because everyone else was a bloke. And, um, <laughs> and as much as I love, you know, Mel Company and can, can rough it with the boys, she and I had a lot of kind of hangout time to to uh, lean on each other a little bit, you know. Now, James, do you think that, I mean, obviously it's set in the 80s, but, you know, it feels, especially when th there's that, that scene with, with Howard, the Howard character in the commune, uh, honestly, man, you could have that, that scene could have been 2016, the way he's talking about that. Do you feel that that is something, you know, the 80s are very hot right now on, on television, you know. Um, do you feel, though, that that's part of, because people are looking back to that age and seeing a reflection of themselves, that they, you know, it's like, well, that's my dad, that's my older brother, I remember, I remember that when I was a kid. I suspect it's something to do with the fact that <clears throat> all the people who are growing up in the 80s are now in the position to make TV programs. Yeah. 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 That's probably why it is, isn't it? And so they're, they're wanting to look back at those times when they were growing up and hear those songs and see those clothes and see those cars again. I don't think anybody wants to see those clothes except the ones that Angel gets to wear. <laughs> Honestly, except man, <laughs> those, yeah. those 80s clothes were not, you know, it's like when people do the 70s, they always leave out, like, all the crap that was on the bottom of everyone's flares. Yeah, for sure, but I do think that's probably a big part of the reason. And I suspect, you know, in the next 10 years, people will be doing the 90s, you know. It's, that's just what the way it goes. I think also economically what the country's been through over the last few years, it's rather smacks of the yeah. 80s, you know. And I think that's one of the things that certainly attracted me to the script is that um, the way that Angel and Soldier's characters kind of crash in as that capitalist, all for, you know, just for themselves and nobody else coming crashing into this 60s idealism. And um, I don't know if maybe that's a negative thing to say, but I feel that people are feeling a little like uh, that capitalism is overtaking again. I, I, no, I felt, I felt that very much too. I mean, I feel that there's a lot of aspects of these. You know, I, I'm a little bit familiar with the books, but I feel there's a lot, especially in the show, there's a lot of it that... The translation is very direct. You know, I, I think, you know, you squint a bit and it's like, it's 2015, it's not 1985. And I think that's something that's very true for people. You know, and I, and I like, what I, one of the things I like about it is that you've got this sort of, it's this lingering, looming sense of the 60s. But there's that great line that, that, you, that Hap says at the end, when him and Leonard are talking and kind of lamenting and, and, and bitching a bit together. And he says, yeah, but you know, if it wasn't for the 60s, think about which drinking fountain you'd be drinking from, you know? Right. There's this idea that even those guys who you think, like, they're not, they're, they're not playing then to that. They recognize that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we've just seen the pilot tonight. So, Jeremy, give, can we give people a sense of how the show evolves over, the, over these six episodes? Spoiler-free evolution. What, what's could that? you mime it for us? I could do it. I'll act it out. Um, I, I think as it grows, I, I always said a little bit, the escalation of each episode, I think, is each one's another notch up, you know, and I think what it's building towards and sort of the, I mean, it's an adventure story. I know we've said, I think we've said it before, but it is sort of a bromance. It is these two men, you know, who in the 80s were absolutely not supposed to be having this relationship, but for them, it's normal. Mm -hmm. We get to learn a lot more about their relationship, um, you know, and how they met and how what the, the path they've been on for the last 30 or so years, um, which definitely educates the rest of the show and also the rest of the novels as they go forward. But I think the main thing to expect is that I think every turn is just something that's a little shocking. I think every episode sort of, not that each one ends with a sort of a, doesn't end with Angel in a different outfit every time <laughs> killing somebody, but every episode I think ends with something like, oh, shit, I gotta see what's next and yeah. what's gonna be the next thing. And, I also think that as it goes, it, it just ends with such a bang, you know, maybe literally, maybe figuratively, but it's there's some stuff that happens towards the end that I think is, to me, even when I watch it still, and I've seen it 
hundreds of times, um, I get excited by it. So you know, one thing that, and I think it's very poignant that we're showing this today at Sundance. You know, which for all the corporate elements of there is still the heart of American and American indie film festival. It has a real late '80s, early '90s indie feel to it. Indie film feel to it for me. I mean, I to me, it felt like the parts of it felt like like that that last scene where you pull up at the sign. It did parts of that felt like a John Sayles film. You know, and, and I and I feel that that was was that part of what you guys were doing with that because you know in this this new golden age of television, I constantly talk to people who say, "Don't think of my show as six episodes. It's a six-hour movie." Was that were you doing a six-hour movie? I would say that's exactly what we and I think just also by the nature of you know Jim Mickle's a genius, um, and he came into this, you know, never done television before, and hadn't even really been a thought um, in the way that he put his stamp on this as a. Independent filmmaker who has made four independent films um, that have, you know, two premiered here. Um, he's very much a Sundance filmmaker um, in that respect, and an indie filmmaker, and that was sort of his world and the sort of um, what he's always been thought of. And so, yes, I think when we went into this, it was like, okay, this is a six-hour movie. And even when it was broken out, you know, by Jim, Nick, and we had a E.L. Katz who did a really great independent film called Cheap Thrills. They were the men in the room, you know, breaking this story out, and they're all independent filmmakers. Um, and never really had television experience before. So this was them learning how to do it. So they, tell, they told the story the best way they know how to tell a story. So yes, and I think John Sayles, the Coen brothers, all that kind of stuff I think is very much um, layered in there throughout the uh, stories. Um, we would love to take some questions from you guys if you have some. Does anybody have any questions? Come on, guys. Dead silence. Total dead silence. No questions. We were that good? Well, then. <laughs> then I have to say... Pollyanna, Jeremy, James, thank you so much. Happen Leonard premieres on March 2nd on Sundance TV. Thank you. Thank you.